0: Amen. Amen. Like I said, i got a really cool guest going to introduce you to him at the end of tonight. Uh, I think it will really drive home the message we've jumped onto last week. And uh, let me just kind of bring you up to speed. The, the title of this short series, it's a three-day series. Next week we'll get into another piece of it, close it out. But it's really called Paid For. And uh, we took the time to introduce us last week, what was paid for in with Christ in our lives. And I always say this, you know, maybe you might not have never considered a relationship with Christ or God or any piece like that into your life. But we said that what happens when we come together like this, our expectation as a church is that an encounter would happen for you. And what does that mean? Well, the word encounter just simply means coming face to face with something. Not coming face to face with the ugliness of ourselves, coming face to face with the goodness of a God that is really good. And when you, when you talk about the word encounter, here's a better definition for all of us, and, and that is simply this. We come in expecting one thing, and you walk out with so much more. And I just want to tell you, man, when, when you do that with God, just from my personal experience, when you welcome Him in, I've been at this thing a long time now, 30-some years, and when, when, every, there's not one time that I have gone to God for anything, at any point, where I felt condemned where I felt like a heel, I felt like I was a nobody. Every time I go to him, I come out with so much more. Even when I don't understand maybe some of the things he's trying to talk to me about. But I found out that it's because of the loving father that he is. And You know, I grew up maybe, I had a good dad, and, but he wasn't necessarily in my life all the time. I had a great stepdad and was there in my life for 20 years. and Just phenomenal. But the traditional upbringing of dad in the house, you know, leave it to beaver, cleaver thing, what that guy, that wasn't my life. I didn't have that. I pretty much, you know, grew up with grandparents and had to raise myself in a lot of those things. So this thing about Father God really became real to me, became a big deal to me. Because it's kind of where I began to learn to be the father that I am to my kids. And by all means, I'm telling you, I'm not perfect at that. But I do understand something. And especially after an event that happened in my life, my family's life, last Saturday night, I get this thing about God now. Not that I didn't before, but I really get this thing about Father God, not holding our mistakes against us. And I'm telling you, man, uh, I I don't think there's anyone in this room that's never made the same mistake, or you've made the same mistake twice. Am I right? Uh, Anybody in here made a mistake? You've made it more than once. Three, once, twice, three times, my lady. You know what I mean? It might be even that, three times, my lady, you know. You know. <laughs> and we talked about three times, my lady, last week. We went into a really cool story, a narrative of what Jesus, where he, he ran into this lady of Samaria at the well, and we don't even know her name. The longest conversation he had with anybody in Scripture we don't know her name and that tells me that it could be a story for me and in that account of that story he read her mail like it was nothing man he was he told her uh, you know he asked her the question go see your husband where's your husband and she says i don't have one he says i know you don't you've got five and the one you're with now you had five and the one you're with now is not even your husband or who you're not even married to and what he was telling her was look and i love that story because what's so powerful about it it shows me that i can make multiple mistakes And Jesus still loves me where I am. And my relationship with Him doesn't change. If anything, it gets stronger because He reaches out to me all the more. So here's a question I threw at you last week. Let's just get back up to speed here. And if you've got a Bible, if you've got scriptures with you, we'll have them up here. If you don't, you can go to John chapter 11. We'll start there in just a few minutes. But here's the question I threw out at you. I want you to think about it again. If there was a way that you could pay for every mistake you have ever made and reverse the consequences come on now (laughs) and turn out for good instead of bad of those mistakes would you do it in other words I said it this way if someone came to you and offered you an unlimited sum of money free no strings attached to pay off what seems like an insurmountable mound of heartache and redeem you in such a way that the heartache never happened I ask you would you take it (laughs) would you accept it? And absolutely, we said that we would. But then I threw this out at you, and I said, you know what? The greater consequences of our choices that we make and the mistakes that we make are not necessarily what goes on out here. It's what goes on in here. And a lot of times, those mistakes that we've made, and the reason I'm saying this is because I'm going to teach on this next week. This is going to be the closure next week. Sometimes the mistakes that we made, you're... Maybe you're the recipient of someone's mistakes. So when I start sharing and sealing the deal on, you know, you're you're redeemed from that and the price is paid and you'll see some more in a great another, we're going to go into another story tonight, another smaller narrative of something very similar to last week where Jesus has an encounter with another woman that we don't even have her name, but in that encounter you see him do three very powerful things with her. And when I start going down that road, if you're sitting out there and you're bitter and you're you 're bound and, and you know you 're like you just when you lay your head down at night to bed and and it 's everything you can do just to be laying next to the one you 're laying next to because you just want to it 's amazing that they even wake up every morning because you want to do something i mean it could be that deep well, I told you last week that you 're not qualified enough in yourself you can do things with things out here all right we can have like the woman last week have Multiple relationships and divorces and things. It's just the world we live in. You can have a paper that says that that never really happened. But it did happen. And where the torment of that and the fear of that and the failure thought of that, that happens in here. Especially if someone did it to you. We're going to talk about that more next week. But really all of those torments and all of these fears and all of these failures that we are talking about, they actually are the result of sin. And you know, it's interesting because th- that's really been the devil's uh, main goal or purpose uh, from start to finish. Was to get man to act and live independently of God. And that's, what the res- that's why sin has such a big part. And you have to realize that, do you even know what the word sin means? The word sin actually means miss the mark. It actually means uh, falling short of something. Now, I didn't know this until just recently, a while back, I did, was studying on the word sin, and, and I found out that, you know, outside of Scripture, the word sin is actually an archery term. And, you know, being a, a bow hunter, I love to shoot bow, and, and I get this, I understand this thing, because I have definitely missed some deer like this. But when you draw back and you let that arrow go, the, and, and that arrow's going, and it's going towards the bullseye, And if it drops before it gets to the bullseye, it's called missed the mark. Actually, it's called sin. And so many times we feel the same way with our mistakes and our failures and our hiccups and the things that we deal with at night. We feel like that, man, I got out on a good track and I shot it out there, but it missed the mark. It didn't hit the bullseye. And sometimes it doesn't hit the bullseye multiple times. And then that's why it develops what I call, really, and I'm telling you, listen to me. Cause if you're one of these persons when you come in here on a Sunday I want you to quit something. It creates what's inside of us a, a sin consciousness. I'm more aware of the consciousness of missing the mark and falling short than I am of the one that paid the ultimate mark for the price of what that sin is. I'm more aware of that. And I see it every so- I have a view that you don't have. And when I'm up here, I get to see it. We do an altar call, and I see all the hands that go up. And a lot of times, it's the same people sometimes. Now, don't get me wrong. We have multiple other people that, hey, it's a real first-time experience. But there's always that one or that two in every service. And I'm bold to say this from the pulpit because I want you to understand something. Quit! Because that tells me you're coming... My shoe feels like it's untied. <laughs> that tells me when you come in... You're more conscious of the fact that you made that fifth mistake, which was the same one that you made last week, than you are of the one that paid the price for that sin and dealt with it so that you could live. The Scripture says, come boldly before the throne of grace, asking for help. It doesn't stop there. No, 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 no. I get it. We all need help. Look at your brother and say, or your neighbor and say, you need a lot of help. <laughs> Some of us need more than others. But it doesn't stop there. It says, come boldly to the throne of grace, asking for help and mercy. I love the scripture because it says, boldly come before it tells you what to come for, because it knows that those two are going to challenge you. And he's sitting here almost wanting to, uh, uh, if I could do it, I would be disrespectful, but if I could just turn somebody up, stand them up, and bend them over, and give you a boot, and just say, he's saying, boldly come to me. Understand what's been done for you, and you say, "But, but, Father, I, I I don't qualify. I I I messed up." And He's wanting to go pop, 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 and slap you on the face and say, "No, no, 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 no! I gave my son for you." Look at this first scripture. John chapter eleven, <clears throat> verses twenty-five through twenty-six. And this is in the New Living Translation. It says, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live. Even after dying, everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. And I made this quote to you last week, and I really want to say it this week because this is when it's the most powerful. Resurrection is not something that Jesus did. It's who He is. It's not just a one-time Easter moment. It's not just a one-time come up. No, 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 no. He lives, He's in the business of bringing things to life. And when you encounter that face-to-face, there's something has to give. And I'm telling you, it will be you because He's given much more than you. And when He gives much more than you, it almost trumps you and you're overwhelmed by the compassion and the love because He understands every moment of hurt and pain that you're having in that night when you're laying your head down and nobody understands that feeling of that except you and you're trying to get the feeling of that from the wrong well and that's what happened with the woman last week. She was going to the wrong well to fill it and she had all these buckets around her and she found out that Jesus was the only encounter that was willing or could actually fill the very thing she was looking for. Because if you remember, just a quick blip of last week, because it's, oh, it's just so good. The moment Jesus told her, told her her story, and told her about the things she had done, she was so consumed with that that she ran away telling everybody, come meet the one that told me everything that I have done. And he only told her one thing. That tells me that we can be so consumed with sin, so consumed with missing the mark, so consumed with one event in our life, and it can keep you from fulfilling your purpose. And I'm telling you, until you get to this place where there's an encounter of the real Jesus, you'll stay there. You'll be tormented. But you don't have to. Now listen, I said this second service, first service. I want you to hear this. You see, Jesus is different from any other religion, a religious teacher. Because what makes him different is that he did. He died and he rose again. Now, here's three points. You don't write these down. I want you to know this. Here's what makes him really different. Number one, it says, it's not the life of Jesus that saves you. You can watch his life and I can watch the life of someone else and that may lead me to Jesus, but that's not what saves you. It says here, that it's not the teachings of Jesus that save you. Now, I can grow and be changed completely, but it's not what saves me. This is what makes Jesus different. This is what makes the ministry and the teaching of Him different. Is the fact that death and re- it's the death and the resurrection that opens the door to freedom and into your salvation. What does that mean? He simply understood you and simply died for everything that you're letting hold yourself back. And He's sitting here wanting you to come to this place where... Let's just say it this way. I get it. Look at somebody and say, it's about time that we get this there's no way you can understand what it means for him to get this or for you to get this and this is a subject that's so misinterpreted throughout our Christian thing we do and, and it's really the character and the impression that people have and who they think God is many have got out there doing really bad things to teach people good things and, and I'm just telling you, I don't have to find out from a bad thing to learn a good thing or to make a better choice. I'd rather make a good choice. And many people have got God out there being very judgmental. And, and, and all the bad that's going on in the world, that's God's judgment No, He judged sin a long time ago. He's not in the business of judging anymore. And, and what happens is when you preach judgment, you preach condemnation. And that's not God either. So the only way that I can embrace this place of freedom that I want to take you in where there was a payment that was made that completely nullified the outcomes of your circumstances and the consequences of the choice that you made. And there will be... if we Anybody ever had a speeding ticket before? Anybody had more than one speeding ticket before? You didn't get it the first time? Anybody had three speaking tickets before? Going once, going twice, four? It's about time to get it. <laughs> Were there consequences to the first, second, third, and fourth one? Sure there was. Did you get off easier the first one than you did the fourth one? Your choices, whoa kind of stack up on each other the consequences to it. Well, sometimes we let that stack up be so high, we feel like we're not worthy enough to come back to Jesus. And I'm just telling you, if that's how you are, you need to get this tonight. John 10.10, let's look at that scripture. Can you get that for me, buddy? you got to get the fact that God's a good God. And He's not bad. It doesn't even compute with... I, I know there's some deadbeat dads out there and some deadbeat moms and some deadbeat people. You know what I mean by that? People that just... They're just not good people. But the, many times the only difference in those good people and you and me is really this encounter with Jesus. You weren't so good yourself when you started off, probably. And the only difference that made it was made in your life was this one thing here. You found out that He was a good God. John 10.10 10 tells me, he says here, the thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they would have life. Excuse me, I, another translation. I came that they may have and enjoy life. Look at somebody and say, about time to get happy. <laughs> and have it in abundance to the full until it overflows. Now you've got to understand the word abundance is an expression of his character and who he is. And when you look at the definition of that, one definition of that is generous. For all you tight people, it's time to get notice of who God is. He's generous. He's not a holding back God. He's an open-handed God. He's a big-hearted God. He's an unselfish God. He's a lavish God. He's unsparing. He's free. He's bountiful. bountiful. He's a giver. And being an unconditional giver is at the very heart of who your good God is. John three 16. Let's put that up there and read this with me. Ready? You read it with me. For God so loved the world so much that He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. He gave the most important thing to Him. For the most important thing to Him. And that was you. The Bible is very clear that you are the greatest of all his creations. (laughs) And it just so happens that one man got a hiccup, messed it all up for us a little bit. But just because of that, he gave the Son so that he could trump what was done by an imperfect man. The Son came as the perfect with no sin, no failure, no hiccups in his life, giving you an act of boldness to go and ask for help and mercy in the time of need. That's the gospel, folks. That's the good news of the fact that He's such a good God. Ephesians 1, 7. Listen to it. The message translation. Because of the sacrifice... Let me hold up. My son, he was thrown into this tonight. Didn't know he was doing it. He's doing awesome. Ephesians 1, verse 7. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah... His blood poured out on the altar of the cross. We're free people. Hmm. Free of penalties and punishment, chalked up by our misdeeds. And not just barely free either. Come on now, abundantly free. Go with me to John 8. Let's go into this short story, this narrative of the, another lady that we see in Scripture. And what's interesting about this lady is we don't have her name either. And and it's really, you might know the story, it's called The Woman Caught in Adultery. (laughs) You ever had that feeling you've been caught before? Huh? You know that uh, we were, let's just play on the speed ticket, speeding ticket. Does anybody remember the first time you were caught? And you look up and that feeling, man, come on, you know what that feeling is. It's there. (laughs) It's that guilty... No doubt you're guilty. It just happened to me uh, a couple of Christmases ago, Christmas Eve, right here on this stoplight, the next one down. I, I, I'm, I think I had to make sure I got home to get to the Johnson's house in time. And, of course, we were pushing it that day, Christmas Eve service. And I came up to that stoplight, and it was, no, it was yellow Half. <laughs> and I pull, I'm coming to it, and I'm going, and and you've all been there, and and you're just like you're contemplating, you know, a mile down the road. I'm gonna make this. I can make this, and you've got plenty of time to make the right choice. But when you get close to it, you're like, oh, you know, you're not gonna make it. So, instead of slamming on your brakes and throwing your head through the windshield, what do you do? You just gun that thing. There was a cop sitting right there, and he whipped out around the track and came, pulled me over, and. Uh, you know, I just looked right at him, I said, I'm guilty, I'm guilty, I I did, I said, I'm I'm sorry, because I thought my softness and admitting was going to get me out of it, (laughs) and he was just a pain in the butt, he was, he was so mad at me, he said, you could have killed this, I get it, man, I got that, I know it, but, and he wrote me that ticket, Uh, I got out of it, though, Uh, John chapter (laughs) 8, you probably didn't need to know that, John chapter 8, here we go. I want to take you into this, just like we did last week, it's a, but it's not as long as the one before, and I want to take the time to read it to you, and, and just kind of pull some things out of it that I think will help us. we got to get the fact, guys, that you're free from sin, and you're going to miss the mark tomorrow. You know, I, 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 you might say, <laughs> maybe you're going to say a cuss word tomorrow. Maybe you guys say cuss words all day long. I don't know. Maybe, maybe... I don't know, maybe you're like Sarah and you've never said the F word in your whole life until the other day. <laughs> no, she's never done that. And Jesus would come before she would do that. But we're letting some little things hold us up from freedom in God. I get it, there are some big dogs out there. And sometimes we get so calloused at the small that we're not willing to deal with the big dogs either. And I want to help us to kind of deal with both all in one shot and to realize that the price that was paid for you so that you can encounter the goodness of God. And the way to do that is to show you three things that happens when Jesus comes in co- a contact with you. There's, there's really kind of a three-step thing that will happen. And if you accept it, you'll walk away free. Look at this story. Jesus went across the Mount to Mount Olives. But he was soon back in the temple again. Kind of like being in a church service. Says so swarms of people came to him and he sat down and he taught them. And he'd been doing a lot of good stuff. I mean, you know, healings and things and kind of brought people in. And it says, the religion scholars and Pharisees led in a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. Again, we don't know her name. And I believe that means so we can relate to all of us. Says so they stood her in plain sight of Everyone. And said, teacher, this woman was caught red-handed in the act of adultery. Now, just in case you don't know what adultery is, adultery is, you know, basically having an affair when you're married. Either way, guy or girl. I mean, I know we're all adults in here, but let's just tell it what it is. And that's what this woman had been caught but what's interesting, I want to point out that sometimes what we do is we make a big deal of someone else's sin before we deal with ours. And that's exactly what these guys were doing. They're making a big deal of someone else's. And you have to understand something, guys. If you're going to use the, the, you know, someone over you, you know, kind of instead of pulling out the thing in your own eye first, a heart is always at stake here. And here's this woman, man. She's, she's caught. She's right there in the middle of it. And look what happens. They stood her in plain sight of everyone and said, Teacher, this woman was caught red-handed in the act of adultery. Now Moses, in the law, gives orders to stone such persons. What do you say, Jesus? They were trying to trap him into saying something incriminating so they could bring charges against him. So their motive wasn't really the heart of this woman. They could care less. They were really trying to catch Jesus in the act. But you can't do that to Jesus. He's pretty smart. And they kept kept at him, badgering him, and he straightened up and he said the sinless one among you. I I skipped a verse. It's important. I want you to see it. They were trying to trap him into saying something incriminating and Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger in the dirt. Now we don't know what he said. We don't know what he was writing. And you can fill in the blanks all you want and try to come up with some kind of story, but there's not really a story there. Uh, I like to think that maybe he was writing the sins of those folks down in the ground. But I think it's because he was really written to make a point. It's like, You have no clue. Sometimes you have no clue the expense of the heart of the person that you are willing to expose. And and let me just tell you something. It is not in the nature of my Father, my Lord, my Savior, to expose people in front of people. I've never seen Him do it in a way. I had to do it one time in a church service, following after a scripture reference. This kid just kept going off. And I'm telling you, I will never do it again. There was no fruit coming from it. We were in the wrong as a church. And sometimes I think what we do is we are using a Christian thing to make us look better. And I'm just telling you, that is not who Jesus is. He's never out to condemn someone in such a way that exposes them. He just has never done that to me. Look at the rest of this. He goes This he says, They kept at him, badgering him, and he straightened up and he said... The sinless one among you, go first, throw the stone. Bending down again, he wrote some more in the dirt. Hearing that, they walked away one after another, beginning with the oldest. And I like to say that that's probably because the older ones get the message a lot quicker. (laughs) Okay, I messed up here, and if I'm not careful, which he wouldn't, but let's just say they probably thought he would start talking. Hey, let's just talk about what's going on in your life. He's never going to do that. But it's, it's interesting to note that, you know, young kids kind of take a lot longer to get the message sometimes. And a lot of times, you know, because you don't feel like you've ever done anything wrong and you're always right. I get it. That's the age you are. But at some point you'll grow and you'll get older and you'll realize that the things that older people are trying to show you is really to protect you from things that really could be detrimental for long term. Again, they're trying to help you with some consequences that you don't have to go through. And so here, Jesus stood up and he spoke to the woman. And he says, hearing that, they walked away one after another, and beginning with the oldest. And he says, the woman left was left alone. And when he stood up, he said, woman. You know, I used to think that he was kind of bold with this. Just like he did with the woman last week. But I just don't think that's his nature here. I think if there was anybody bold that he would be bold with to deal with, it would be the other guys. but That's not what he did with this woman. He says, woman, where are they? Does no one condemn you? No, master. Neither do I, said Jesus. Go on your way. From now on, don't sin. Three things I want you to write down real quick. Three things that happens when you have an encounter with Jesus that you can remember. Number one, Jesus is not condemning. Never will be. And if you feel that, you have that thought. That is not from God. Number two, going a little fast, Jesus is not compromising. He doesn't compromise on sin either. He deals with it. He gives scripture to learn what works of flesh are. A lot of times what we call sin is really not necessarily sin in and of itself. Sin is sin. But there's a work of the flesh. And the work of the flesh is what gives seed to sin. And it's the work of the flesh, which is you are driven by your own evil desires and your own wants that are driven by your old nature, which is of the sin nature. But the Bible says as a born again son and daughter of God, you have a new nature living in you. So you have a place to make a choice. (laughs) I love the scripture in Corinthians. We taught on this a while back and that, uh, listen to me, everything in life of choice is up to you. And I love the scripture because in the Amplified, I think it says, you can do any old thing that you want. No one can make you do anything. Matter of fact, other than the power of the Spirit of God living in you, and the power of Jesus, and the resurrecting power, the greatest power that you have in your whole life is your will power. Uh, Trust me. I know what willpower means right now. I'm doing this whole 30 diet. Been doing it for a while, and I'm sure Carlos is too. And I'm sitting in front of Stack 'em High today, and and man, willpower was under uh, you know getting challenged. We can't eat that stuff right now. Can't eat sugar right now. Willpower is strong, but there's a greater power in you, and if you learn to give attention to that power over the willpower, the willpower will come in line with the power of the Spirit working on the inside of you. And so many times the flesh has a desire to do things that make it feel good, that, that make it, uh, we all love to be happy and we all love the feeling of feel good. I mean, I, I'm loving the warm weather. I mean, I start thinking fishing. I start thinking all the things you can do in the warm weather. We all love good feeling and happy, happy, happy. But if we're not careful and we allow some of the things that we are looking for happiness with and going to the wrong well to receive that happiness, you'll fill it with the wrong thing. And then the flesh desire is consumed. And when flesh desire is consumed, what happens is old nature overtakes. And here's a way not to do that. And Jesus is telling this woman, look, I'm not condemning you. But He's also saying, I am confronting you. But here's the third thing I want you to see. Jesus is always compassionate in how He deals with people. He's not the guy that's going to throw you on the ground and beat you overhead and try to make you get it. Now, it might take a little bit of hard-headedness to get through to you. But even then, it's never done with a, a strong, fisted hand. That's just not who God is. He's this loving, good, compassionate God. And I'm telling you, when I, when I looked into this, and I saw this story, and I, I read it, you know, I want to take a moment here, and I want to introduce you to a good friend of mine. Someone that I couldn't wait to bring to you tonight. And we'll get ready to close here in just a few minutes. But this guy... He impacted my life so much last Saturday night that uh, I get this. I get these next two scriptures. Listen to them real quick. John 3, 17. Can we get that, buddy? I want us to read this together. Read this with me. Read it. God sent His Son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through Him. Listen to this next scripture. Romans 8, 1 through 2. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to Him, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of the sin that leads to death. Colossians 1, 14. God rescued you from the dead-end alleys and dark dungeons. He set you up in the kingdom of the Son He loves so much. The Son who got you out of the pit you were in got rid of the sins you were doomed to keep repeating. Philippians 3, 12-14. I'm sorry, buddy, I'm going way fast, I know. Last scripture for you. I'm not saying that we all have this all together, that we've all made it, but we're well on our way reaching out for Christ who has so wondrously reached out to us Friends, don't get us wrong. By no means do I count ourselves as expert in all of this. But i got my eye on this goal. and Where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus, I'm off and running, and I'm not turning back. What am I saying? Last Saturday night, if you remember... Come on up here, buddy. Last Saturday night, we got home from our Easter services. I'm just telling you man I got a revelation of what this means to not hold your stuff against you I know she's better looking than I am we got home Pastor Tiffany shared it with us last Sunday morning and we hadn't been home ten minutes from Easter services two of them we hadn't even got out of the car and we got these crazy calls and said there had been a bad accident out on the road and it involved a black dog and a yellow dog and i knew exactly what they were talking about that was mine and dog was hurt pretty bad and so we took off and went running out there to look for them we kind of knew the same places that they always go because they had a tendency to run away quite a bit and we'd only let them off for 15 minutes and we're um knowing that we had let our dogs off and and this is who they are they would take off and go running and no 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 whoop and um, they were even well-known amongst the policemen. They know; they all know my dog's name because every now and then they take off and go running. And, and it's interesting that there were so many times that when these dogs would come home from running, one time they were, had been away for two or three hours and I couldn't find them. And I took off in the boat and I went out i don't know if you know where mark bass lives but i had just looked over there and come out the creek and i look and both of my dogs were rounding the point at mark bass heading north up manio They just love to run and love to play and i can tell you every time they come home we gave them the riot act we tightened their leash we you know never beat them i'm not a dog beater it's just not who i am and and um we basically would make sure that they knew how disappointed we were in them for taking off and running why because we knew that there would be consequences to their actions and when they got out there and they made those choices we didn't want them to get hurt or get killed which is the very thing that happened to him he got hurt and but it's interesting to make this point the moment that happened not one time one time did i ever yell at him did i ever start telling him you should have never run out there Did I ever go try to remind him I've told you over and over and over again that you're going to get hurt? No, I immediately and have not stopped going on, done everything in my power to get this dog well. And so many times we have such a sin consciousness that that we're not willing to boldly turn back to God that we think that that's what's going to happen. The moment you get... And I'm telling you, this is how your father looks at you. He sees you right now. Maybe you're beat up. Maybe you're cut up. You can't see all of his... He's got a bunch of staples and stuff. and I mean, he he was slammed so good that his intestines had been... No broken bones, but it had been pushed out of his stomach between his cavity and his skin. and I mean, it just... It was bad. And I thought for sure, either a broken back or hip or something, and none of that. But it, well, as soon as we got there, it was interesting. The doctors, the Grossman, Dr. Grossman and um, Sarah Bell, they've just been phenomenal, man. I'm just telling you, phenomenal. He's been with them all, off and on all week and on medications and probably costing a boatload of money but um, get in faith with me on that but I don't care and he's a dog how much more you're a daughter a son of God why do we struggle with this truth that you're free from your sins and your mistakes oh he deals with them confronts them but not in the way of telling you, why'd you do that? And that's how so many times we that's what we think. No, you know what? <laughs> it's interesting, listen, that's how you deal with people. But that's not how God deals with you. And we gotta get this that He's a good God. He's not going to deal with me the same way people does. The same way my husband does, my family does. My wife. No, He's a God of eternity and has given you a place of eternity to look forward to. How much more? Stand up with me.